Well, good morning, Grace. It's good to be here, especially good to be here this morning after last week. Uh, I thank you for being so patient with me as I ditched you uh, last weekend. Um, I stayed up until midnight last Saturday night studying and looking over this message that I'm going to be bringing to you now. And about three hours after doing so, I was up literally running to the restroom and made that trip several times Sunday morning last week. So I am so glad that I am over the, the stomach bug and I am so glad that Dwayne was coming. He was, I, I was so bummed I missed it because this was, last Sunday was the Sunday I wanted to introduce Dwayne and Debbie to you as we make that transition after this sermon series into, into our sabbatical. And now I ended up giving Dwayne the whole message, but he did a beautiful job, didn't he? His heart for the lost is just incredible. He inspired me as I was listening to him online uh, a little bit later in the week. But I want to start this message and this series by sharing with you. Uh, a few days ago, I was given the privilege of attending a pre-screening of a film on the life of the Apostle Paul. It shows the final days of Paul's life in a Roman prison. But more than that, it's an eye-opening picture of what life was truly like for the earliest of Christians who were living in the city of Rome at that time. The incredible faith that was needed to dare say you even believed in Jesus, let alone live a life of faith and trust in Him. Now this film is actually coming out Friday, but I wanted to give you a taste of what, what that film's going to look like. Take a look at this. I, Luke, send a message to all those that follow our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a terrible evil in the world. Darkness is spreading. <laughs> I know you are suffering persecution. Faith is being tested. I know you question the way. But I've come to Rome to find Paul, to write his story, to bring hope, to bring light into this present darkness, and to remind us all how God changed a hateful man who will change the history of the world. Luke, am I dreaming? I'm here. Stain with the blood of our brothers and sisters. No! This is what trusting God gets you. People are desperate. We're the only light left in this city. I cannot fix their faith. You can inspire their faith. You risk people looking to me before Christ. The day I heard you preach, my God, I saw Christ in you. There are men, women, children that will never meet you. There must be a handwritten account of your acts. What do you really know about these Christians? I am concerned with these documents. We've got to get these out of Rome. Do you think that we are plotting an escape? Write another word and I send you to whatever god you want. Luke! The government to overthrow Rome. To what end? Justice! They want revenge. No! Why not? Love is the only way. You will have the strength to do what is right. We let people die today. This world doesn't know a thing about love. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. As I watched that pre-screening that day a few weeks ago, I'll be honest with you. I realized 
what little faith I have compared to those who lived back in the days of the early church. I realized how comfortable I am in this nice 21st century American life and how easy it is to rely on my skills, my abilities, myself, virtually every day without need of faith in God to see me through. They lived in such a time in the early church that they required faith to just get through the day. Day after day. Faith was so much a faith is so much more, guys, than just a set of spiritual beliefs about God. Sometimes we think that that's what faith is. It's this set of spiritual beliefs that we have in God or whatever. It's so much more than that. In fact, I've come to discover that faith, it's kind of like a muscle. Four months ago, maybe five months ago, um, I stopped going to the gym because I developed impingements in both of my shoulders that have been just aggravating to deal with. And I took some time off to heal. And I thought it would just be a few days and then it turned into a few weeks. And now it's been a few months that I have been out. And I've gone through some doctor visits and I'm now in a few months of physical therapy. Last Friday, I was in physical therapy and this guy was trying to work on this left shoulder, which was particularly painful. And all of a sudden, after working on it for about five or ten minutes, I heard this pop. And he said, hmm, did you realize that also you've had a dislocated shoulder for the last... Like, are you kidding me? So, like, oh, this feels much better. (laughs) Now, I'm not here to complain about me getting old. um, But I wanted to share that with you this morning in conjunction with this video to just say this, I'm really starting to come to understand what faith is like. Muscles grow as they are exercised and they're put under stress, right? When strength is constantly demanded of them day after day, they get bigger and they get stronger. And as they get stronger, you can expect more and more of them, right? And what I've realized is the same thing is true with spiritual strength. When our lives are put in situations where we're constantly having to depend on God to just make it through the day, our faith muscles are going to grow. They're going to get bigger. But if we never exercise our faith muscles, what happens? Just like our physical muscles, they start to atrophy and they lose their strength and power. The day after I wrote this, I'm like, oh, that's really, really good. I'm, I wonder if that's an original idea. So I Googled it to just find out, thinking Man, I, maybe I could write a book or something about this. And then I realized I had 18 million hits, including Tim Tebow, of all people, who was on Larry King Live not too long ago, saying the exact same thing. He totally stole my analogy. But there's one place where this analogy breaks down. Whereas when we exercise our physical muscles, it gives us the power to do more. When we exercise our faith muscles, we open the door for God to do more in our lives. To do the things that we can't do. Does that make sense? In fact, God tends to do His greatest work in your life and mine when the odds are stacked against us and faith is required. That's good preaching. Thank you for that amen, wherever it was. There should have been like 50 of them, at least. Let's say that again. God tends to do His greatest work in you 
when the odds are totally stacked against you and faith is required. When you're in a situation, when you're in a mess where you can't dig yourself out of it and you rely on no one else but God, that's when God tends to do His greatest work because faith is required, right? These days, the world and our lives seldom ever demand faith from us like they did in the days of the early Christians. And we don't see powerful demonstrations of faith like we see in the book of Acts and in the days of the early church. But what if, what if we were able to change that? What if we resolved here today that God hasn't changed? And what if we stopped relying on others and relying on ourselves so much and we chose to rely fully on God? What would that look like? in your life and in mine. Today, we are going to start a journey of faith together. A journey to discover what it means to truly live by faith and not by sight. We're going to find that faith muscle wherever it is and we're going to start exercising it together. We're going to identify those things beyond our grasp that God's been promising us and we're going to let go of a passive hope in what God could do And have faith in what He will do. We're going to align our faith with God's and believe and expect that God will help us break through to a breakthrough. Now there's a great place to learn about this life of faith that I'm talking about here. And it's the book of Joshua. When Joshua and the Hebrew people, uh, were when they left slavery in Egypt, their faith was tested over and over and over again. The book of Joshua is just this amazing story. Every time they would accomplish one huge thing by the power of God, and they're like, whew, glad that's over with. Here comes another big faith test that God put before them. Likewise, sooner or later, each one of you, you're going to all face something bigger than yourself in this life. Even in 21st century comfortable American Christianity, there's going to come a time, if you haven't already been there, you're going to be there, where your faith is put to a test. And we may be self-reliant and capable, but eventually we all face obstacles that are impossible for us to overcome. Unbreakable barriers that stand in the way of our hopes and our dreams. And in those moments, guys, the Bible says only one thing is required. One thing. And that is faith. Now before we set out in the book of Joshua, which we're going to do, start next week, today I want us to start to lay a foundation for what we're going to be talking about by spending a little bit of time in Hebrews chapter 11. It's actually known as the faith chapter, and I'll show you why. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn there. Hebrews chapter 11, it's near the end of your Bibles. Um, if you don't have your paper Bibles with you and you want to go to www.mygrace.church. You can click on the sermon notes tab there and you can follow along with the scriptures there as well as some other supplementary materials. Hebrews was a book that many believe Paul wrote in the very last days of his life. And when you look at the life of Paul, you see this man lived an incredible life of faith himself. In Hebrews 11, we get an even better understanding of what faith actually is. So today I'm going to actually read these first three verses in Hebrews 11 from the Good News Translation. But feel free and follow along with whatever Bibles you have today. Listen to these words very carefully and see how they speak to you. Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, To have faith is to be sure 
of the things we hope for. To be certain of the things that we cannot see. It was by their faith that people of ancient times won God's approval. It is by faith that we understand that the universe was created by God's word. So that what can be seen was made out of what cannot be seen. So clearly here, when we see an explanation of faith, we're seeing faith is a lot more than just a set of religious beliefs, right? And faith isn't this wistful longing or this hope that somehow, some way, God might happen to do something. Faith is an anticipation of the future that you know God wants for you. Faith comes from a place of utter conviction where you choose to believe wholeheartedly that something is true even though it doesn't appear to be true in the natural world. At least not yet. Faith is what God uses to restore a relationship to us that was broken by sin in the first place. But more than that, faith is it's like the underpinnings of our spiritual lives. Faith is to a Christian what a foundation is to a house. I mean, you try to build a house without a foundation, you know what's going to happen to that house, right? And the same thing is true when we develop spiritually. If we try to develop a relationship with God without faith, we're wasting our time. Faith is believing in something that literally won't happen without God. If we can try to figure out on our own how to make it happen with our own skills or with someone else's skills, it doesn't require faith. Faith is taking something that we already want and believe God wants for us, verse 1 says, and it's choosing to be convinced that God will provide it. Not something, it's not something that uh, just we want and we try to convince God of it. And it isn't something that, you know, if we have enough faith, God will just be forced to always act instantaneously. Sometimes people who talk about faith, they think, well, if you have enough faith, you can just make it happen. Then it's all about you again, right? And it's not. What what we're learning here through Hebrews 11 is it's not about us. It's about God. It's about aligning ourselves with God and His will and saying, God, I'm not hoping, thinking, maybe you'll do it. You've given me this promise. I know you're going to do it, and I am just going to... Be laser focused and trust you that you are going to do it. I don't know the timing, but I know that you will do it in your timing. And I trust you. That's what faith is all about. Faith also, please hear me, faith is not a blind trust. These days there's a collection of writers and thinkers called the New Atheists. And they like to align themselves with Richard Dawkins. And in particular, one quote that he gave a few years ago, and it's on all of their, their websites, where Richard Dawkins said, Faith is a blind trust in the absence of evidence. Yes, faith is a trust in the absence of evidence, but it is not. It is not a blind faith. It is a deep-seated trust and conviction in God rooted in God's desires for us that we foster and that we choose to act on even in the absence of evidence. James, the book of James actually says that faith is an active trust and confidence in God and it doesn't vacillate from moment to moment. Did you know 
that having faith is so important to God that he tells us in verse 6 of Hebrews 11 that without faith, it is impossible for you to please him. Impossible. For us to have a relationship with God or to even come to God, it says we have to have faith in him and have to have faith that he will work in our lives as we seek him. Now the good news is that faith isn't something that we have to try to come up with on our own. You know, when I was younger, I used to think well, faith is like, I got like, I to gotta, I gotta, gotta have this serious look on my face. I gotta, like, oh, come on, I got to have some faith, you know, and like, somehow I got to conjure it up somehow. Maybe I got to pray harder or worship harder. I got to make it happen. And then it's all about me again, right? Well, what Scripture actually tells us is that faith is a gift from God. You can't even have faith on your own. Faith is a gift from God that comes how? It says, Scripture says, faith comes through reading the Word, hearing the Word, and praying, asking God to give it. He says, you do those two things, and God gives you the faith for whatever scenario, whatever circumstance, whatever challenge, whatever obstacle lies in your way. But as with any gift from God, it is our responsibility to exercise that gift and not be complacent or lazy or apathetic with it. Just like the physical muscles God gave us on our bodies, so faith is like a muscle. It's a muscle that God gives us to exercise and that he uses, God uses, to do his best work in your life. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, we see story after story of real men and women who exercised the faith that God gave them and they believed God for impossible things, right? I mean, look at this chapter. Look at the names and the stories that are there. There are dozens of them. And notice over and over again, it says that each one of these things happened how? By faith. I mean, look, look, at, look at some of these verses. Verse 17, it was by faith that Abraham offered his son as a sacrifice. Verse 22, it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, confidently believed it, that God would re- deliver the people from Egypt. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 29, it was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea and though they were on, as though they were on dry ground. Verse 30, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. Over and over and over again, it says all of these things happened by faith. Now, we could dig into some of these stories this morning. There are some powerful stories in this chapter. But today, I want you to hear Debbie DiBernardi's story. Debbie is someone that I want to introduce to you this morning. She means the world to me. She and Dwayne will actually be lead, filling my slot as lead pastor here and taking care of this congregation while I am gone this summer. Debbie and I met in seminary like 20 years ago at Fuller. And since then, she has served as a professor at Fuller Seminary. She's served as a pastor of a church. She has served as a children's ministry pastor at another time, as a spiritual formation pastor another time. And currently she serves as a spiritual director where she helps people to discern the voice of God in their lives. Guys, trust me, you are going to be so blessed 
by these two this summer. I, my only regret of being on sabbatical is that I'm not going to be here to enjoy them. So would you please welcome to the stage Debbie DiBernardi. I love you. Met David in class. He swerved to miss a deer and went under a semi with his car and walked away. And it was at that time I looked at him and thought, God has his hand on and plans for that one. Aren't you blessed? Aren't you blessed? Well, when he asked me to do this, I read chapter 11. I'm no Moses, but God kept bringing me to Moses' story. And he reminded me that Moses served his Hebrew God of his first five or six years. That's how he refused. The first early years of his life, that was the God he served. And so I want to give you a context of my, one of the stories that I have. And that is my early childhood years. I lived in a household of four generations. My great-grandparents were dying at home. My mother was going to school. My dad worked. And I had a godly grandmother. Always told me how rich she was because she had her friend Jesus and all her grandkids. I grew up thinking I was pretty rich until I realized we were dirt poor. I actually lived in the attic with my parents, and I had a literal pot to pee in. So, yes, we were poor, but I was rich in life experiences from my grandmother because she took me along in everything that she did in that household. I didn't go to church. How could you? You've got dying grandparents at home. Who could go to church? I had home church. She read me Bible stories on her lap. She played the piano. We sang. She answered all my questions. Oh, I'd share that story. I wanted to know where I came from. That is a great one. Remind me if anybody's interested afterwards. But she took my, my questions seriously. I was the little nurse at Grandpa's side. Is there any wonder from the age of five I knew I was going to be a nurse? That was my grandmother's dream. She never got to do that. But I would. So... That's what I wanted to do. There was a lot of loss, and there was a lot of death in that household. But there was also a lot of presence with a capital P, God's presence, my grandmother's presence and influence on me. She was a praying woman. I knew her favorite scripture in the Psalms. I look up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. She taught me that in so many ways, every day, in everyday life. And then one day, a very terrified, fearful little girl went up to her attic room and looked out that window and prayed to that dear friend Jesus, that holy God that my grandmother knew so well. And I had my first encounter with God. And he heard my prayer. And my faith was solidified. Now, fast forward. Yes, I became a nurse. Yes, I was teaching. Um, I was a clinical instructor at Scottsdale Community College, and I had two children and decided to stay home. Now, I had gone through losing a child, financial difficulties, you know what I mean, but you know what? That's just life. I was taught that at a very young age. You just depended on God. You prayed, and God always got you through. But I was restless. And so I opened the scriptures to chapter Luke's. I want to consecrate my life again. Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? 
I forgot about the being at that time. What do you want me to do? I need a four by four. I mean, I am pounding my fist on the kitchen table with my head down, crying out, I need a four by four. He gave me three literal phone calls in less than 20 minutes. He's Trinity. He does things in threes. <laughs> but I wanted a four by four. By the third phone call, they were all asking me about children's ministry. I don't do children. And I'm sure Moses says, God, I don't do sheep either. <laughs> but both of us needed to be humbled. We needed a deeper journey. We needed to surrender our lives, depend on him, and actually be on mission with God. Not my own agenda. Not my own skills. I didn't know anything about children except for having mine own and what I knew from, from nursing. So I said, you got the wrong person, but I'm going to have to come in and talk to you. Well, long story short, that very next Sunday, I am standing up to my Sunday school class and saying, I need someone that wants to grow in faith together with me this year. Before you raise your hand, let me tell you what it is. I have been asked in just a few weeks to lead a program for a midweek preschool program of probably 75 to 100 preschoolers. We have no budget, no curriculum, and no volunteers yet. Who's with me? Who's with me? Anyone raise your, would anyone raise your hand? One person did. So together, we struck off on a journey that I can honestly say my husband was right. When I was whining and complaining, God, I can't do this. This must be a mistake, but I feel like I have to be obedient. He said, oh, you mean you have to depend on God's resources rather than your own education and things? hate it when my husband's right. He's a CPA, you know. They always tick and trace. They always get it right. So I can tell you, it wasn't me. I saw God work like you would not believe. We always had things. Sometimes the creativity came at the last moment, but we saw changes in kids' lives. We saw people excited about what was going on. I had parents coming in, taking their kids out of preschool and kindergarten so they could go to this midweek program because what was happening and the reputation that was coming because of it. I had a grandfather come, bring his, what I thought was his granddaughter, but it was his child. I guess it was a second marriage. But his wife was not Christian. He said, can she be in this program? I need her in here. And I said, well, only if you volunteer. <laughs> it's the women's program, you know, midweek. So he volunteered. The wife came to observe. The child got to go to our Christian school. I baptized her when she was eight. God did all these things, and I'm sitting here going, wow, look what God is doing. Later, I find out this grandfather that was volunteering he said, I wish I would have known about all this earlier. I would have done things differently. And I said, well, what do you do? What did you do? I was the associate producer of Sesame Street. Now he tells me, you know. It's like, ha! But God taught me a lot of lessons and revealed something very significant that I want you to hear. Not only what David had said, that it's not about your own resources. It's all about listening to his voice, surrendering to his will, 
and responding to his spirit by following him and going with him, not for him, with him on his mission, not your agenda. I also learned that the church at that time in the 80s had bought a lie, that nothing significant was really happening in little children until they're about youth age. Just make sure they have good nurture and, you know, take care of them so we can do our thing. We are in a spiritual custody battle for the next generation. I don't think they realized it. They said children were important, but there was no budget. There was no, you know. And all of a sudden, I'm, God is just revealing things to me that I was like, oh my goodness, God has divinely designed childhood to bring people to him. And I could go back from infants, maybe it was from the nursing and other things that he had given me, but he revealed that from infancy all the way to the tomb, God is active in forming our lives of faith. And it takes all of us in a context to be on with him on mission to make a difference. I started by saying, grow in faith together. That's an acronym, and I didn't realize it till later. The acronym is GIFT. Faith is a gift. So I am excited to be here to grow again in faith together with all you because you have a pastor going on sabbatical that's going to be in the crucible of silence and solitude where God is going to find him and reveal a lot of things about David to David and about God. And you're going to come back, maybe glowing like Moses did off the mountain. I don't know. (laughs) But what we want is do the same thing. We want to prepare our own hearts to more deeply listen to God so that we can discern his voice so that we can obey and follow him on what he wants us to do when he returns. And so I'm excited. I have no idea what that's going to look like quite yet, but I know God does. So thank you for growing in faith and allowing me to be a part of that gift. Amen? So in conclusion, faith, it's... It's like a muscle. It's a muscle that God uses to help us do what we cannot. And the truth is, you never know what kind of faith you have until it's been tested. We see that in story after story in Hebrews chapter 11. And after all of those stories that you see in the 11th chapter, notice how chapter 12 begins. It says, Therefore... Since you've seen all these stories of faith. Therefore, since we are surrounded by this huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, what are we to do? Strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this how? By keeping our eyes on Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. We may never be in positions like the early Christians were in the days of Paul, where faith was demanded of them day after day after day just to survive. But this passage reminds us that great people of faith cheer us on in the world that we are living in here today, encouraging us to not give up on our faith and to keep our eyes 
laser-focused on Jesus who makes our faith possible. Think about this this morning. What if you and I were to choose to put ourselves in a place where we start to expect big things from God? Where we take some of our biggest hopes, th- those things that we feel assured that God wants for us, but we, that we can't, we can't accomplish without Him. And rather than merely hoping that God somehow, some way might do them, we shift to a place of expectation with God. We as a church are in a place like that right now. We have a vision for the future that God has given us for the next five years that is so big, so exciting, only God can pull it off. I'm looking forward to sharing that vision with you. I'm actually going to be sharing that vision with you over the next few weeks, starting next week, so don't miss next week. But in the meantime, how can you flex your faith muscles? Do you even know where they are? How do you, what do you believe with all of your heart that God wants to do in your life today? In your finances? In your body? In your career? Your ministry? What dream? What humongous promise from God? Is it finally time that you dust off, pick up again... And truly have faith in God again for. Yeah, there may be some obstacles, some barriers in the way of your life that seem impossible to overcome. But let's believe that by faith, God will break through all of those to your breakthrough. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this time today. For us to be in your word. To kind of lay this foundation for ourselves before going into Joshua from this place in Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Lord, thank you for reminding us what faith is and what it isn't. Lord, I pray that today that this will kind of set us in a spot to begin to truly hear from you about some of those things that you have stirred in us in times past. Some of those promises that you've given uh, us or our our spouses or our kids or our, our parents about our finances, about our our futures, about our careers, about our ministries. Lord, there are so many places where we tend to see something that just seems so much bigger than us, and we just kind of block it out emotionally. We're like, I can't can't deal with that, God, so you just figure it out. And we're trying to put our faith in God, but what we're really doing is we're we're distancing ourselves from faith in those moments. Lord, help us to pick those things back up again. To truly consider them with you. To consider what you have promised. And Lord, to have faith with you for those things to come about. Lord, help us to partner with you for the breakthroughs that we want to see in our lives and in our church moving forward. Lord, we're living in a community where over half of the people around us Don't even darken the doors of a church. But that they will respond to an invitation. They will respond to someone who actually cares about their lives and their futures as much as our own. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see in the next few days those people in our midst that you have put in our lives to walk this journey together and live by faith together. Faith in you. If you're here this morning 
and you've never placed your faith and trust in God, I want to encourage you this morning to consider making that decision. Maybe you made that decision a long time ago and you've kind of walked away from it or you you put it on a shelf because you're like, "Uh, I'm going to do things my own way now. I'm going to do things in my own strength. And God's reminding you once again, it isn't by your might or your power, but it's by me, it's by my spirit that you'll really accomplish anything in this world. So if that's you, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart. Surrender your heart to God and allow Him to call the shots from this point forward. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I confess, as hard as it is, that I need you in my life. Lord, I have trusted in myself and my own abilities and the abilities of those around me for far too long. And I've not really relied on you. I've not trusted you. God, I ask that you would come into my heart and life today and that you would forgive me for those times when I've relied on my, just on myself and not on you. For those times when I've even broken your heart and gone against your will because I wanted things my way, not your way. God, I ask that you would come into my heart, forgive me of my sins as I confess that Jesus is my Savior and my God who died on a cross for me so that I could truly live. God, I ask that you would fill me with this Spirit, this Holy Spirit that you speak about in Scripture and that you would begin to change me from the inside out and make me into the man or woman of God that you've called me to be. Lord, help! I want to partner with you for the rest of this journey on earth that I do have. And I want to see you work in and through my life in ways that I could never accomplish on my own. So by faith, by faith today, I take that step with you. In Jesus' name.